Hi, I'm Daniel Stoll, and I'd like to welcome you to the Come Follow With Me podcast. This podcast is a weekly discussion of the topics in the Come Follow Me curriculum, as we seek to study the scriptures and learn more about our Savior, Jesus Christ. I invite you to come follow with me as we seek to live in the way that he did. Hey guys, welcome back to Come Follow With Me. This week we're doing Rejoice With Me, For I Have Found My Sheep Which Was Lost, Luke 12-17 through and John 11. Let's dive right in. Luke 12 is a lot about coveting and worldly gain, and uh, Jesus is cautioning us against it. He says, it's, or he, his message is pretty much that it's good to enjoy comfort, but not to be wasteful and covetous and only put stock in the things of the world. So, in this chapter, he tells a parable, and so it says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself, and is not rich toward God. Okay, so this story, if you don't understand it, this guy, he owns a whole lot of land, and he pretty much his crops do really well. They bring forth tons and tons of fruit, and they've just finished the harvest. So he brings it all in, and he's like, oh, my barn's not big enough for all this. So he just tears it down and builds another one. He's so happy, and he's like, oh my gosh, I have all this fruit. I'm going to be stocked for ages, never have to work or worry about food again, right? Wrong. Um, He's doing the eat, drink, and be merry philosophy. But then God comes to him and says, tonight your soul is required of thee. In essence, tonight you're going to die. And then he's kind of like, you didn't put any fruits forward for my kingdom. You didn't put any stock in the eternal treasures and in the eternal fruits which you could receive. You only have all these worldly things. And so I'm going to skip ahead a few verses to 29 through 34, which says, And seek ye not what and seek not ye what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, so that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens which faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Okay, 
So pretty much simplified advice he's giving here is, first off, don't worry about the worldly things. If you're not, um, if you're struggling with money, if you're struggling with having enough food or enough, really just anything worldly, it'll be taken care of so long as we're doing good things and we're living righteously. And if it's not, then we'll return to live with our father. But really, more so than any of those worldly things, that's where we need to be putting our stock is in heaven and with the father. Because if we aren't blessed with worldly food and money and we don't have the resources to achieve those things and we end up passing away or just our worldly needs are not satisfied medical wise or any other way then really it'll be most important and imperative that we've put forth a good stock and a good treasure and effort towards the kingdom of heaven and that's really all that's important i know i've i mean i've gone to people's houses my house has been like this sometimes where there's just so much stuff that it's cluttered and messy all the time even when it's cleaned it feels messy and just cluttered and stuffy because people just get so much stuff they don't put their money forward towards service or towards helping other people or towards good causes or anything like that they just buy lots and lots of things which all pile up and are never used and then just the world kind of takes their house if you know what I mean Uh, and I'm not condemning these people I'm not trying to be um, judgmental or anything But there is a truth to when our shelters and our homes, which are places of comfort and inspiration, when they get too cluttered and full of just things that make us feel stuffy and stressed, we might not know it's stressing us out, but those things just stress us out internally. And then it becomes harder to feel the spirit. So building up too much of the world will literally even just in our own homes and families, it'll ruin our connection with the spirit a little bit. Not completely, but it makes it very, very difficult to feel the spirit when we're just putting so much of an emphasis on the world in our lives. So really, we need to be working on our time, spending time working and developing ourselves and our spirituality, doing service and serving God, therefore, And then serving missions each day as members or actually going on a full-time mission. There's a whole list of stories that the manual has just all about putting stock in heaven before we put stock in the world. And that's what the whole lesson's on. This is such a good lesson. All right. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit to chapter 16, verses 20 through 25. So, here we go. Um, And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died, and was buried. 
and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Okay, and what this, the main point of this whole parable is really just our works and our spirituality. Are we doing good? Are we being spiritual? Or are we appreciating all these worldly blessings and then we're doing evil with them? Or not even evil, just we're not doing good. When we don't do good, we're kind of inherently doing things that are bad. There's no way around that. It's a binary. So what we're counseled to do here is even if we're poor and we're in the lowest of the low, we still have control, complete control over ourselves and our actions and the good we can do. The ways that we can work on our development and our spirituality and this gives us so much power, not through necessarily all the worldly means, but we have power to impact people and to make sure that we ourselves are in our best place spiritually and just doing the best that we can be. We don't need money for that. And that's where the world loses a whole lot of um, the truth is everyone just works for money. We live for money. Money isn't the key, because when it comes down to it, it's our actions and how much we've done to develop our spirituality and our truth and help other people. We don't need money for any of those things. We can share the gospel by standing on a street corner and talking to people. So, it's money is not essential. I think that's the huge key here. And it goes straight back to what we were just talking about with worldly wealth, which is if you're just putting up stock in the world and you're not developing yourself at all and you're like Lazarus or the rich man and you die, then your stock in heaven is not going to be very great. So, um, returning to chapter 14, I'm going to read verses 16 through 26. Then said he unto them, a certain man made a great supper, and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all these things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the lord said unto his servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you, that none of these men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. 
And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, and hate not his father, and his mother, and wife, and children, and brethren, and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Okay, that last verse sounds kind of scary and just weird, and I'll get to that in just a minute. But first, let's go through the gist of this. So, the story is, if you weren't able to kind of decipher from the scripture language in there, there's a Lord that prepares this great feast, and then he invites these people to it. But they all make excuses, and they're like, oh, my wife, I gotta spend time with her. And then somebody else is like, oh, my oxen, I gotta go make sure they're all fed and, you know, okay. And then some other person says, I just bought some land and I got to make sure my crops are going, bud. So, see ya. And they all kind of ditch. And the Lord grows angry. And he says, I invited all these people. They aren't coming. And so he invites in all the poor and all those um, who are maimed and the people you wouldn't invite to a rich feast. But he invites all those who are meek and weak and humble and he just and he brings all of them in and he says those other people that I invited because they put the things of the world first they aren't going to taste of my feast and it gets back to the concept of money can hold us back having great riches well it doesn't have to be a trial for some of us it can be if we allow the things of the world to take stock over the things of heaven and really we need to remember yeah we need to remember that and then if you were wondering about that last verse because it sounds kind of scary if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and child and brethren and sisters yea in his own life also he cannot be my disciple okay the footnotes in this help explain it better it's not saying you need to hate your family or yourself it's saying heavenly father and eternal life is more important than your brother and your sister and mother and father and your wife and your children and even your own life. You think of martyrs like Joseph Smith. He put forth his life for the kingdom of heaven. And that's what we need the courage to do. Not only in our money, but in literally our lives and our physical bodies. We need to put the kingdom of heaven first. That's a crazy aspect and a crazy mindset to have, but it's true. It's so important to have all of the eternity mean more to us than just what we have right now, even though it seems like so much. And then as we go and we um, pay more attention to the things of the spirit and we come back and we make sure God is the first priority in our lives, we are returning to him and we are returning as the sheep which were lost. Okay, so in chapter 15, there's multiple parables. There's the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. And I'm not going to go into these too much because you already know all of them, but I really just want to hit the main point, which is when we f we always seek to find the things that we've lost or 
the things that have left. And we long after them. And we feel sad that we didn't appreciate them that much. But when we find them, we have so much joy. When we when they return to us, our joy is great. And I mean, if it makes it more understandable, if it's kind of difficult to relate to the parable of the sheep or the coin, you could say it's the parable of the lost keys or the lost library book or the lost phone or wallet. Whatever you tend to lose, I lose all of those all the time. So there's a whole lot of parallels in this for me, and I definitely understand the feeling of joy. When you are on the brink of needing one of these items very badly, and you find it, and it's just a wonderful miracle. And there's so much joy when we find the things that we've lost and the things that we need. And our job is to help bring others to him. In DNC, uh, sorry, in Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 18, verse 15, it reads... And if it be so, and if it so be that you should labor all your days in crying repentance unto this people, and bring, save it be one soul unto me, how great shall be your joy with him in the kingdom of the Father. Okay, we've all heard that one before. But think about it. When we bring the lost things back, our joy is great, and their joy is great. And when we work and devote yeah, devote that time and service and good works that we talked about, our joy is so great, and we're going to be so happy because we know that we are sharing the truth and we are doing the most important work, which is missionary work. And we're preparing the way for all of the children of Israel to come and return to their father and to be the sheep returning to their shepherd who has lost them and not only do we need to help others but we need to return also and find ways that we can return in our lives because his joy will be great and the angels the joy will be great in heaven and our joy will be great as we return to him and we feel that peace and love and truth again okay so chapter 16 um, we have the parable of the unjust steward. So just going to kind of explain this really fast. So there's a steward who kind of, a steward is someone who watches over other people's things. And, um, but he, this steward is unjust and he's not honest about the things that he's watching over. And the more of the parable, parable is really just be honest and have integrity because integrity and truth bring us back to Heavenly Father. They're a way that we can return as the lost sheep and lambs. And just making sure that we're using in not just honesty. Because honesty is just speaking the truth. And you can still white lie and speak the truth. But integrity, that's the word I think I like more. Because it means truthful in our desires and in our actions. And using our whole being to be truthful and yeah that's really my main point from chapter 16 it's a pretty short little just spiritual message there
chapter 17. We're going to read verses 12 through 19. Um, actually, we're not going to read that. We're just going to talk about it. So it's the parable of the lepers. Oh my gosh. Okay, as we go through all of this, there's so many stories about Jesus and just things that I know I've heard, but you forget how many stories about Jesus you know until you go through just week by week like we are, and we really dig into them and we realize, holy cow, there are so many incredible things that Jesus has done that we can't even remember all of them. That's pretty cool. So, this, um, we all know the story. It's um, the ten lepers. Jesus heals all of them, but only one comes back and thanks him. And Jesus says, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? And there were, and there are not found. There, there are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. So, except for the one leper. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Wonder where we've heard that phrase before. Oh wait, a few weeks back. Anyway, so, this one is just, gratitude brings blessings. And not only blessings, it brings joy. Gratitude brings the spirit. And when we appreciate what our Heavenly Father has given us, we come closer to him. That's pretty cool. When we appreciate our blessings, we feel closer to God and more loved and appreciated. And then we have a deeper connection with him. And we can feel the spirit faster and stronger. And I mean, I can testify of this. Every time I pray and I just kind of count out my blessings and go on a blessing streak and just be very grateful, I feel so just thankful afterwards for everything and everyone in my life. So, gratitude brings us closer to heaven. Alright, now for our final section, we have John chapter 11. And it's, um, I'm not going to go through the full story, but it's super cool. It's the story of raising Lazarus from the dead. And I just wanted to touch on verse 25. It says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. I don't have the time, unfortunately, to go through the story of Lazarus and how cool this miracle is. But I would encourage all of you to read it, understand and appreciate the miracle, and then also go listen to the song, I Am the Resurrection by Rob Gardner. You can find it on pretty much any music platform. It's such an incredible song that just brings the spirit and is wonderfully composed and created. And it's just a brilliant hymn. I love it. And it just, it brings out this story so well. And the meaning behind it. And the meaning behind Jesus as, I mean, during this miracle. But also during all of his life and all of his events. Alright. So really, the gist of this lesson is to find out where can we return? Do we need to return in our scripture study? In our church attendance? in our worthiness because we've sinned, in our tithing payments, in our integrity in all places and areas, in our coveting and passions and uh, spending too much time in the world and putting more stock in Heavenly Father, 
and service and showing appreciation for what we've been given and our priorities and our humility and our pride and in our missionary work. These are just some of the things that I've written down that we might need to return in. I know I I definitely need to work on some of these. So my challenge to you guys today is going to be find a way to return some way this week. My goal, because I've realized my challenges aren't worth anything if I'm not doing them myself. So my goal this week is to return in scripture study. I know that sounds kind of ironic. I'm doing a podcast on scripture study. But some nights it's really hard to just pay attention and um, get in a good scripture study. But my goal this week is to get in a great scripture study every single night. I'll let you guys know how it goes next week. Let me know about your goals and how you plan to return this week. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.